Hello, and thank you for joining us on Giving Voice to Depression. I'm Bridget. And I'm Terry. More than 350 million people worldwide suffer from depression, but you do not have to have it yourself to be affected by it. Its prevalence pretty much guarantees that someone you care about battles its darkness. This podcast tries to shine some light into that darkness. We're not experts and we're not therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and are committed to encouraging healthy, healing conversations about mental illness. Hello again, Bridget. Hi, Terry. I am so honored that once again, we're able to talk with someone today who has never really spoken about his depression or shared his story, his lessons, and his hopeful message of recovery. He's also sharing some of his original music with us today. Singer and songwriter Matt Steady is giving his voice to depression for a very interesting and self-empowering reason. contact with Matt seemed faded. We heard some of his music online, liked it, and tossed out the question, hey, is there any chance you've written a song about depression or feeling hopeless, or better yet, about battling those feelings? And he had a song called Black Dog about depression. So we said, we'd love to talk to you about the song and your experience with depression if you're willing to share. His reply really surprised and intrigued us. Matt wrote, I'd just like to say that I saw your message and that I recoiled in horror at the thought of sharing with you. (laughs) Not exactly the response we were hoping for. But then he continued, Sometimes you have to do uncomfortable things to grow as a person and to help others. So I would be up for a chat or an interview or whatever if you are. Let me check. Yes, we are recording. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Thank you for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. It's good so, to step out of your comfort zone every now and again, isn't it? It is. It's, that's uh, that's my hope. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to make it easy. Is depression something you don't talk about often? Um, no, I don't think I ever talk about it, really. No. No, interesting point. So if you have not talked about depression before, why did you um, <laughs> accept my invitation? Because I didn't want to. <laughs> that's me i'm afraid um if i if i realize i don't want to do something really really strongly then um that means i need to do it hmm. i can't let that control me i need to whatever it is i need to reclaim it gain the ground back and show it i'm boss <laughs> and with that we were off and running matt said he was about 30 when he first experienced depression he was married and had the first two of his four kids. We did lots of fun, interesting stuff and really, you know, work was good, home was good. There wasn't really anything I could put my finger on that was a problem. As a bona fide member of the Ben There Hated That Club, he now knows depression does not need a reason. I had no idea that I actually had depression. And I think it was only years afterwards that I actually realized, I think it was well after I actually kind of came out of it that that I put two and two together. And I think that's just because people just don't talk about it. Um, I'm 
you know, fairly intelligent chap, and um, you can you can hide it pretty much most of the time. But the point is, you didn't want to do any of any of the normal stuff. You just ended up doing it because that's what you do. A bit like a treadmill. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't enjoy you don't enjoy the treadmill, but you you get on it and you just do it, and that's exactly what it felt like, to be honest. But um, the best way I can describe it, I don't know if you've ever seen Train Spotting. Yes. And there's just this one magical scene. I don't even know if anyone else would remember it, but um, he sat there in a pub at the table, and he's just sat there, and everyone else is going around in fast motion, and he's just not moving, and that's what it felt like to me. It felt like I was just sat there in slow motion while everything else was moving around me. It was a, it was a really tough time, especially because I had no idea what it was. And that first experience that you didn't recognize as depression, that was 13 years ago. How long were you in it? It's a really good question, and I I don't actually know. Without recognizing what it is, you don't really put... Huh. You, you, know, you don't have any appointments or anything that you can put a date to, really, but it was... It would be years, I would have thought. I would have thought three, four years. That's my guess. And at no point during that time did you or your wife or a friend say, hey, Matt, this could be depression. No, I don't think so. Interesting. Um, um, I I would actually be interested to find out if anybody else actually recognized it or whether or not I was hiding it well enough. I I don't know. Hmm. (laughs) Interesting, isn't it? On one level, Matt believes he hid his pain whether intentionally or not. But on another, he knows there were physical signs, as well as emotional and behavioural. We've got photos on our walls, and I look and I, from that period, and I look at them, and I just look at my eyes, and I can see my eyes, and I just think, I can feel it all again when I see it. And I don't know if anybody else can see it when they, when they look at my eyes, just what they look like. But for me, I know what my eyes look like now, and, I, and when I look at those pictures, it's, it's real tough. Mm-hmm. The spark is just gone. There's just nothing there, mm-hmm. yeah. It's so sad. <laughs> so sad, because the joy, the hope, the days or weeks or years are gone, and you don't get them back. I think if I could have put a label on it, I could have talked about it. It was just this fog. <laughs> and part of the fog is you, you don't want to do anything, or and you don't want to say anything. So it puts you off talking about it, I think. And that's with a family history of depression. But since theirs was what Matt calls a different variety, he just didn't make the connection. You, you say that, but when you're, but it could be so much worse. Oh yes, oh yes, that's <laughs> plenty bad. Yeah, it, it is, it is, and uh, it was, it was pretty rough. I must admit, must, must, must admit. In fact, at the time, the episode didn't seem to him to have all that much to do with him. A lot of the time, I think I blamed other people for it if that makes any sense I didn't want to talk to other people and I kind of assumed it was their fault uh, I didn't find things interesting and I kind of assumed it was that their fault, I, a lot of it I didn't realise was actually internal to me, I don't think but looking back on it, I suspect 99% of it was me <laughs> so um, yeah Matt says if depression makes a return appearance as it often does, he'd react differently this time. I think I'd recognise it again almost immediately. But looking back, it really was a thing. And if it started happening again, I would do something about it. I would, definitely would, because I'm not, I'm not going to do that again. So even if I don't want to, much like getting in the ring or uh, 
talking to you. <laughs> Apologies. Um, then um, it, I would make myself get some help from somewhere and actually talk to people. Definitely. But last time, he didn't. No talking, no doctor, no therapy. His way out was uniquely Matt. I think I, I basically gradually came out of it without any outside help. And I'm aware I could always go back at a moment's notice, but I don't think I will. And I think the reason I came out of it was I started making music. As the flames leak higher, the fog recedes. My pulse slows and my mind begins to clear. I look around me with glistening eyes. strongly suspect it's something to do with control when you're creating stuff you're in complete control of what you make hmm. and if you if you are feeling like you've got no control anywhere else in your life whether or not that's true or not but if you feel that's the case because you're in this fog um, actually it's, it's one way that you can exercise um, control and you can do something about it and that's by being creative and making something and I don't think it's a coincidence that around about the time I started really going for the music stuff um, that the fog started to clear. I mean, I've still got some of the original recordings and they're absolutely awful. But, that, you know, <laughs> but they, they get better and better and better and you learn what you're doing. And, um, um, yeah, that was just a little escape for me. An escape also from depression's dark, repetitive and hope-destroying thoughts. Um, but me, for me, the music isn't just when you're actually making it. It's going around your head all the time, um, either thinking about what you're going to do with it or the music or something like that. So it, it actually, you can feel it there. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're with, it's always in the back of your mind what's what's coming up next or what you're going to be doing. Absolutely. And as far as thoughts go, I think we would all prefer thinking of melodies or lyrics to the thoughts that depression stirs around and around and around and around in your head. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Matt says he doesn't dwell on depression, not in his life or his music. But he did write that one song, Black Dog, a nickname for depression that Winston Churchill coined. There's not many ways of getting back at depression. Uh-huh. Wrote this particular song as a, almost like a revenge song against it. And I just was imagining what the black dog would be like if it actually was a real dog. <laughs> in physical form and I would kind of almost imagine um, you know some horrible creature from a, a horror movie <laughs> Black dog is coming for me Blood red eyes and teeth like a knife Feel his breath on the back of my neck Been stalking me but in both the song and his life, Matt faced down depression and made his way back to light and love and hope. And he really, really wants to communicate that recovery is possible for anyone still struggling. I'm really pleased you had me on here, and um, I'm glad I did it. Well, good. <laughs> and one thing I really do want to say is it is possible to come out of it. And I think that's really, really important because when you're in that fog, you don't believe it's ever going to end. No, you don't. And actually, it can. 
I can't promise how long it will take or how what what it will take to come out of it. But if it, you know, if anyone's listening with uh, with the fog, it can end. Matt, thank you so much for stepping out of your comfort zone and talking about it. And I hope your experience is like ours in that every time we talk about our depression, we reclaim a little bit of our own energy back. We will link to that song so you can hear the whole thing. Matt was nice enough to share it with us, and it's on one of his four albums as he is now a full-time professional musician. So thanks again, Matt. Even if you recoiled in horror at the thought of talking to me, I'm awfully glad you did, and I hope some of the people listening right now are too. Bye, Bridge. Bye. We hope that these shared stories bring out a little more understanding or help people articulate their experiences of depression a little more clearly or more freely. Thanks to all, everyone who's digging deep and finding the words and finding the courage to give voice to depression. You can find all the other episodes, some resources, and a blog on our website, givingvoicetodepression.com. And you can find the podcast most of the other places that you find podcasts. Just Google it, as our mom says. And please remember, if you're hurting, speak up. If someone else is hurting, listen up.